For I've had enough of this world and its pleasures. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. I will arise and go forth to the house of my father. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. House of my young. Shalom, and welcome to today's teaching on the Hebraic roots of Christianity, where we study first century Christianity and the faith that Jesus, whose Hebrew name is Yeshua, which means salvation, taught his disciples. And now, Hebraic roots teacher Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries International. Shalom. I'm Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries, and we welcome you to today's teaching on the subject, the parable of the ten virgins. This is part six of the series. So the foolish virgins missed the marriage. What are they missing? They're missing Messiah's return to gather and unite the exiles of Israel. So the foolish virgins in Matthew chapter 25 verse 11, it says, Afterward came the other virgins saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. And what was told the foolish virgins is, I do not know you. Now if we take this back to Hebraic thought, no is the Hebrew word yada, and it means to know intimately. So Yeshua was rebuking the foolish virgins for not knowing him intimately. An example where the word yada is used and it refers to an intimate relationship is in Genesis in chapter 4 verse 1 where it says in Adam yada, Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived. Now in Matthew chapter 7 verse Verse 23, Yeshua gives a rebuke and he says, Then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me. And the King James says, You that work iniquity. And so this word iniquity in the Greek is anomia. And it's the same Greek word that's translated in 1 John 3, 4 as transgressing the Torah. Sin is anomia. Sin is transgressing the Torah. So the rebuke that Yeshua is giving is that this group of people does not know him intimately because while they're doing good works for Yeshua, they are not following and advocating following his Torah. We can see in 1 John chapter 3 verse 4, sin is the transgression of the Torah. This is the Greek word anomia. It's the number 458 in the Strong's Greek dictionary. So if we translate Matthew in chapter 7 verse 23 the same way that the King James translates anomia in 1 John 3 4 then Yeshua's words were depart from me you that don't follow my Torah you that transgress the Torah. Now in these verses Yeshua said in Matthew chapter 7 verse 21 not everyone that says to me Lord Lord will enter into the the kingdom of God. And then he goes on to say in Matthew 7, 22, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? And in your name cast out devils, and in your name done many wonderful works. 
And so back to Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. He's not rebuking them for these works that they're doing in his name. They're being rebuked for not knowing him in an intimate way, meaning they are not aware that he gave the Torah at Mount Sinai and thus they should be following his Torah. So Yeshua says, not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of my Father which is in heaven. And so what is the will of the heavenly Father? It breaks down into two major things. The first, it's the will of the Father to believe that Yeshua is the Messiah. John chapter 6, verse 40. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which sees the Son and believes on him may have everlasting life. And then Yeshua said in John chapter 6, verse 47. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believes on me has everlasting life. So that's one element of the will of the Father is to believe that Yeshua is the Messiah. Those that are doing the good works of Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23, they believe that Yeshua is the Messiah. But when the disciples ask Yeshua, show us how to pray, he said in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 and 10, after this manner pray, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So it's the will of the Heavenly Father that His will be done on earth even as His will is being done in heaven. So what is that will in addition to believing that Yeshua is the Messiah? Psalm chapter 40 verse 8, I delight to do your will, oh my God, your Torah is within my heart. So it's the will of the Heavenly Father to believe in Yeshua as the Messiah and that Yeshua Torah be written on your heart. Well, that's what the new covenant is. The new covenant, Jeremiah chapter 31 verse 33 and Hebrews chapter 8 verse 10 is the Torah written upon our heart. We can see this, Jeremiah 31 verse 33, but this will be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my Torah in their inward parts and I will write the Torah in their hearts. Hebrews chapter 8 verse 8, for finding fault with them. And so what was it about his people that he found fault with. He found fault that they had stony hearts. So as we're told in Ezekiel chapter 36 verses 26 and 27, the God of Israel desired to remove the stony heart and replace it with the heart of flesh. And in doing so, Hebrews 8, 8 says, Behold, the days come, says the Lord, I'll make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. And Hebrews 8, 10, This is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, I will put my Torah in their mind and I will write it in their hearts. And so this new heart heart is prophesied in Ezekiel chapter 36 verse 26. A new heart will I give you. A new spirit will I put within you. Ezekiel 36 27. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and to keep my judgments and do them. So the will of the Heavenly Father is to believe that Yeshua is the Messiah and that his Torah be written upon our heart by the Holy Spirit. And this is the way that Paul expressed his faith in Yeshua as the Messiah because he testified in Romans chapter 7 verse 22 I delight in the Torah of God after the inward man and so who Yeshua is rebuking in Matthew chapter 7 verses 21 through 23 is the same rebuke that he's given to the foolish virgins he says I don't know you I don't know you intimately because if you know Yeshua intimately you will not only know that he's your savior but you will also study the scriptures and understand that it's Yeshua that created the heavens and the earth. It's Yeshua that made covenant with Abraham. And it's Yeshua that gave the 
Torah at Mount Sinai. And in the New Testament, in James chapter 4, verse 12, it says, there's one lawgiver who is able to save. In other words, the one that is able to save is the one that gave the Torah at Mount Sinai. And who is the one that saves? It's Yeshua. Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. And she, Mary, shall bring forth a son, and you will call his name Yeshua for he will save his people from their sins. We can see that Yeshua is our Savior in Titus chapter 2, verse 13, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God in our Savior, Yeshua HaMashiach. And Yeshua not only created the heavens and the earth, John chapter 1, verse 3 and verse 10, and Paul states it in Colossians 1, chapter 15, and Paul also states it in Colossians chapter 1, verses 15, and 16, but Yeshua is also the judge of the world. Romans chapter 14, verse 10. For we will all stand before the judgment seat of Messiah. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Messiah, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that which he has done, whether good or bad. And so Yeshua is the king of kings. Revelation chapter 19, verse 13. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. His name is called called the Word of God. So John chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, the same was in the beginning with God. Yeshua is the Word of God, and regarding the Word of God in Revelation chapter 19, verse 16, it says, He's the King of kings and Lord of lords. And so if we take Isaiah chapter 33, verse 22, it says, The Lord is our judge, the Lord is our lawgiver, the Lord is our king, he will save us. That verse makes four claims regarding the Lord. He saves us. Well, we just look at Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, that Yeshua saves his people from their sins and that the Lord is our king. We looked at Revelation chapter 19, verse 13 and verse 16, that the one that's the word of God is the king of kings. And then Yeshua is our judge. We must all stand before the judgment seat of Yeshua. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. So the one that saves us, the one that is our king, the one that is our judge is also the lawgiver. Gave the Torah at Mount Sinai. And so Yeshua is rebuking the foolish virgins because they do not know him intimately. They do not know that he gave the Torah at Mount Sinai. And they do not know that it's the role and the task and the function of the Messiah to gather and unite the 12 tribes of Israel. That when Yeshua returns at his second coming, he's completing his redemptive work from his first coming, and that is to gather and unite the 12 tribes of Israel. Let's see how Yeshua's ministry is to gather the exiles of Israel. In the book, I Await His Coming Every Day by Rabbi Menachem Schneerson on page 18, he explains from the writings of Moses Maimonides, who's called the Rambam, and in his work Mishnah Torah, where he took all of rabbinical teachings, Jewish law, and categorized them by various subjects and enumerated the laws concerning those subjects. One section is called the laws of the kings. And so the Messiah is to be a kingly Messiah. So in the laws of the kings, chapter 11, section 4, Maimonides writes, if a king will arise from the house of David, if he does a variety of things, that includes gathering the exiles
exiles of Israel, he is definitely the Messiah. So in the Sinchino Midrash Rabbah, volume 2, page 957, the Midrash Rabbah is rabbinical teaching on primarily the Torah portions, but it includes the Hebrew scriptures as well. What purpose will the royal Messiah come and what will he do? The royal Messiah, the kingly Messiah, will gather the exiles of Israel. We can see that the Messiah gathers the exiles of Israel from the book A Matter of Return by Rabbi Raphael Eisenberg on page 131, quoting from Isaiah in chapter 11 that Isaiah foresaw that in that day there shall be a root of Jesse, which is Isaiah in chapter 11 and verse 1. And then it says that stands for a banner of the people and in him shall the nations seek. And it says his resting place shall be glorious. And so that's Isaiah chapter 11 and verse 10. And it shall come to pass on that day that the Lord will set his hand again the second time to recover the remnant of his people that shall be left from Assyria, from Egypt, from Pathros, from Cush, from Elam, and from Shinar, and from Hamat, and from the isles of the sea. That's Isaiah chapter 11, verse 11. And he will set up a banner for the nations and shall assemble the dispersed of Israel and gather together the scattered of Judah from the four corners of the earth. That's Isaiah chapter 11, verse 12. So from Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1 and verses 10 through 12, we learn that the Messiah will gather the exiles of Israel. He will gather northern kingdom, the ten tribes, the house of Joseph, Ephraim, along with the southern kingdom of Judah. Now, in the book, A Matter of Return by Rabbi Raphael Eisenberg on page 129 and 130, he explains that there's a rabbinical or a Talmudic dispute as to whether the ten tribes of the northern kingdom, who was initially taken captive by the Assyrians, whether they will ever return and be united with the southern kingdom of the house of Judah. And so Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Akiva proclaimed Bar Kokhba as the Messiah in one of the Jewish revolts against Rome. Rabbi Akiva said that the ten tribes will not return. And so Rabbi Akiva saw that there was no uniting of northern kingdom and southern kingdom in the first century because he said that they're not ever going to return. However, Rabbi Eliezer said that the ten tribes will return and their return is in the end of days. And so the rabbis concluded from, and as explained in the book of Matter of Return by Rabbi Raphael Eisenberg on page 130, that the halakha or the position of Judaism on the matter is that the ten tribes will return and be joined with the Jewish people at the end of days. And then referring to the book A Matter of Return by Rabbi Raphael Eisenberg on page 130, according to Rabbi Arbabanel, that the return of the ten tribes at the time of the redemption, or the time of the coming of King Messiah in Messianic times, is one of the principles of Jewish faith. And the reference there is Mashmia Yeshua, the fourth principle of faith. And so the way that Yeshua redeemed his people at his first coming when he brought in the new covenant, which consisted of the Torah being written upon our hearts, was through his shed blood on the tree. And this was prophesied in Zechariah in chapter 9. And in verse 9, it says, Re- 
Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king comes unto you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon a donkey, upon a colt, the foal of a donkey. And so Yeshua, he rode into Jerusalem on a donkey before he was put on trial and ultimately crucified. And then in Zechariah chapter 9, verse 11, it is written, And as for you, by the blood of the covenant, I have sent forth your prisoners. The prisoners are the exiles of Israel out of the pit. And the prisoners are defined in Zechariah chapter 9, verse 13, as Judah and Ephraim. When I bent Judah for me, that is the southern kingdom, the Jewish people, and filled the bow with Ephraim. That's the house of Joseph. That is the northern kingdom. And so at Yeshua's first coming, the redemption was by the blood of the Lamb, even as the children of Israel were redeemed out of Egypt by putting the blood of the Lamb on the doorposts. And so whenever we receive Yeshua's shed blood for the forgiveness of our sins, whenever we make confession and ask Yeshua to come into our heart and our life to be Savior and Lord of our lives, in Christianity, this is called salvation or being saved. And biblically, that is associated with the first stage of the biblical marriage betrothal. And so once you're betrothed, you're to remain faithful. And Yeshua defined that faithfulness by loving him and keeping his commandments so that when he returns for his bride to then have the second stage of the marriage where he will physically dwell with his spouse, that she will be ready for his return. And Messiah's second coming is to complete the redemptive work which is going to entail gathering and uniting the exiles of Israel. So the Pharisees ask Yeshua in John chapter 9, verse 40, are we blind? And when Yeshua gave the answer to the question, he explained to the Pharisees an area where they are blind. They are blind to the fact that Yeshua is the Messiah, that he is the good shepherd. In John chapter 10, verse 11 and verse 14, Yeshua said, I am am the good shepherd. And they're blind to the fact that the Messiah, the good shepherd, is going to have to die, is going to have to lay down his life. John chapter 10, verse 15, Yeshua said, I lay down my life for the sheep. And so when Yeshua was telling the Pharisees that he's the good shepherd, he was also making a reference to the role of the good shepherd to gather and unite the 12 tribes of Israel, pointing them back to Ezekiel chapter 34, verse 11 and verse 13, where it says, thus says the Lord God, I, even I, will both search my sheep and seek them out. And I will bring them out from the people and gather them from the countries, and I will bring them into their own land. And so one thing that the Pharisees are blind toward, in addition to Yeshua being the Messiah and that he's going to be the one to gather and unite the 12 tribes of Israel, they're blind to knowing and accepting who their brethren are of the northern kingdom and that the Messiah is going to come to bring restoration to the northern kingdom who was cut off from the covenant as prophesied in the book of Hosea in Hosea chapter 1 and were given a bill of divorce in Jeremiah chapter 3 verse 8 but was promised restoration in Hosea chapter 1 verses 10 
and 11, as it is written, Hosea chapter 1, verse 10, yet the number of the children of Israel shall be as the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured nor numbered. And it will come to pass in the place where it was said, you are not my people. There will be said, you are the sons of the living God. That's the restoration. And so they're going to go from being not my people, that means cut off from the covenant, to returning to the covenant to be a son of the living God. That is someone who believes in Yeshua as the Messiah. John chapter 1, verse 12. To as many as received him, to them gave he power to be called the sons of God. And then, in the fullness of restoration and reconciliation in return, the northern kingdom is going to be joined with the southern kingdom. Hosea chapter 1, verse 11. Then the children of Israel and the children of Judah will be gathered together. And when we have the gathering uniting the 12 tribes of Israel, that's when all 12 tribes will agree on who the Messiah is. They will appoint themselves one head. So in addressing the Pharisees' question at the end of John chapter 9, Yeshua says to them in John chapter 10 verse 16, other sheep I have. Now he didn't say other sheep I will have after I die and they believe that I'm the Messiah. At the time that Yeshua is speaking to the Pharisees before he dies on the tree, Yeshua says I have another sheepfold which is not this fold. So he's speaking to Pharisees who are of the house of Judah and Yeshua is claiming that the Pharisees who do not believe that he's the Messiah, that they are a part of his fold. And then he adds to that, that he has another sheepfold that's not them. And so how does Yeshua have two sheepfolds when he has not yet died on the tree? The only way that that's possible is if Yeshua gave the Torah at Mount Sinai, because the one that gave the Torah at Mount Sinai entered into covenant with the house of Jacob and then when the house of Jacob comes into the promised land, ultimately King David rules over all 12 tribes from Jerusalem, but following his days and the days of Solomon, they were split into northern kingdom and southern kingdom. And so northern kingdom is a sheepfold, southern kingdom is a sheepfold, and they are still Yeshua's people. And then Yeshua explains that them, the other sheepfold, I must bring. Why must he bring the other sheepfold, the northern kingdom? Because the Torah requires that you are to redeem your firstborn son. And in Jeremiah, in chapter 31, the northern kingdom, it says of them in Jeremiah in chapter 31, verse 9, that Ephraim is my firstborn. And then in Jeremiah 31, verse 20, Ephraim is my dear son. So Ephraim, the firstborn, that they were cut off from the covenant because the first king of the northern kingdom, Jeroboam, was from the tribe of Ephraim, and he led the northern kingdom, and the succeeding kings of the northern kingdom followed after the sins of Jeroboam and he caused the northern kingdom to depart from following the Torah and their penalty or their judgment was that they were cut off. And so now we have the firstborn cut off from the covenant. The Torah requires that you redeem your firstborn and so now Yeshua, heaven's firstborn, is going to come to the earth to redeem the firstborn of the house of Jacob. And so he's following the Torah and doing this. Them I must bring, and they will hear my voice. That is because we're told in Psalm, in chapter 80, and verse 1, Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you that lead Joseph. Well, that's going to conclude part 6 
of the series on the subject, the parable of the ten virgins. Shalom in Yeshua the Messiah. Amen. Thank you, Eddie. This is Stephen Morgan, and all of us here at Hebraic Heritage Ministries pray that you have enjoyed today's teaching. If you've been blessed, will you help us to share this message with others? Hebraic Heritage Ministries is supported by your generous financial gifts. In order to help you in your studies and to help us share this message with others, we are offering today the DVD, Yeshua the Lawgiver, for free for a love gift of any amount to the ministry. Hebraic Heritage Ministries also offers a monthly discipleship program. If you are interested in starting a fellowship group in your area, let us know. We would like to help you. Please contact us for more details. Our website is hebroots.org. That's H-E-B-R-O-O-T-S dot O-R-G. We would like to hear from you. Please send us an email. Finally, in order to take advantage of today's free offer, please mention this product offer and... Please mail your love gift to Hebraic Heritage Ministries, P.O. Box 81, Strasburg, that's S-T-R-A-S-B-U-R-G, Ohio, 44680. Until next time, may Yeshua richly bless you.